everybody. Welcome to episode 133 of the first episode of the year for Go Gorilla Filmcast, your source for all things indie film. I am one part of the hosts, Sashia Dumont. I'm the second part of the hosts, Paul Robinson, and welcome to 2021. Yeah, buddy. Here we are. 20, we made it through. It's like 2020, but with a one at the end. Yeah. So it could be worse, could be better. Who knows? Only time will tell. Yeah. Well, I'm currently dealing with about a vertigo, so it's definitely not better for me. <laughs> no, first day of the, well, second day, technically, of the new year. The uh, the room is spinning. Yeah. Yay. Um, yeah. So if you're like, wow, she sounds like she's... Uh, dizzy. <laughs> she sounds dizzy. <laughs> it's because she is. Yeah. Um, so we, I'm trying to just stay, keep my neck straight. Right. <laughs> like a neck brace or something? I'm going to need something. Um so we uh we've got some guests lined up mm-hmm. for the uh for the futures some Wait international to, guests as well yeah waiting to hear back from a couple people that have reached out to so we'll see how that goes um but we've uh we watched a, a bunch of things over the holidays true fact that you is a fact you started yawning at me already we've just begun what are you talking about just begun you don't want to give away the magic of the mm-hmm. podcast <clears throat> all right so um yes we watched a couple of things so we had to like sort of hoard things back in between episodes and um yeah so we're going to talk about some stuff that we watched okay and uh you sound dizzy are you okay <laughs> what do you mean <laughs> uh what so yeah so we're gonna we're gonna talk about a couple of these things that we watched some of them we watched a little time like maybe a couple weeks ago we Mm -hmm. finished it but you know between guests and stuff like that we kind of space it out yeah for Um, sure you know we like to talk about the indie film obviously obvi it's a podcast about indie film Mm -hmm. um but but so much of what you learn and develop is through what you watch on all types of uh budgets and you Mm -hmm. know doesn't have to be it doesn't have to be an indie budget i mean we've learned a lot of stuff from all the movies that we've watched sure. so we like to talk about uh different shows and different levels of things and mm-hmm. so that's why we review the things that we watch and uh you know take what we can from them sure yeah that sounds about right so i kind of actually it was unintentional i started okay so let's just talk about something that okay. amazon does that i that i don't appreciate okay so amazon 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 <laughs> i have vertigo my brain is dizzy yeah. so all my words just went like Brrr. um so amazon does this this really fun thing that uh where they they will they will give you what appears to be a show that's suddenly available and you're like, okay. oh, nice. Okay. And so that's what I did. I had, we had cut the cord. And so this show was on Showtime and we cut Showtime because I don't know. Showtime is like, they have a couple gems that mm-hmm. I, that I went to, you know, like I went to Showtime for the affair. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, they have a couple good things, but for the most part, I don't really dig a lot of their shows. Not like, like not enough to pay, you're right. you know, like it's like, eh. So we... I started watching this show that I remember was on Showtime and I'd forgotten about it because it came out right about the time that we cut the cord. So I didn't get to see the advertisements for it. And I kind of just forgot that it existed. And then I was skimming through and I was like, oh, it's a, it was a docu-series. And I was so excited because I really did want to see it. Right. And I thought, great. It's on Amazon. It's free. Party on, Wayne. 
<laughs> and so I started watching it and I was sucked in. And then uh, they were like, yeah, you only get that episode for free. You'll have mm. to pay for the rest of the episodes. Like and a I was drug like, dealer. You sons <clears throat> of bitches. Yeah. So uh, I don't know. We may or may not have taken advantage of Showtime's free trial. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> 30 days, binge the show, and then you're and out. And so we got the sh- we got the Showtime. And I don't know why you like usually you you watch your own thing or usually working honestly lately. But you sat down and I was like, oh okay. I was like, I'll just watch Showtime. You're like, no 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 no, just keep going. I was like, yeah, but you don't know anything that happened in the first episode, which explained, you know, kind of started kick the whole thing off. So right. um, I I sort of skimmed through it. We went through the first episode, kind of skipping ahead so that you can get the gist of it. And um, and then I got you hooked to it, mm-hmm. which is always fun. It's always like a wonderful personal accomplishment when I get you to sit through any kind of documentary or docu-series. Mm-hmm. It's very exciting. Docu something. So uh, so the the docu-series is called Love Fraud. And uh, so it's uh, there. There was two directors, Heidi Ewing and Rachel Grady. And uh, so the the story, the the document documentary is following the story of Richard Scott Smith, one of his aliases. Yeah. And it follows. It actually more accurately follows the women that had been married to and involved with him. And then he kind of sort of fits into the story as well because they're sort of chasing him around. Mm-hmm. And it sounds really like whatever. Okay, so this guy married a bunch of yeah. men, like whatever. Yeah, yeah. But when you start getting into the details of it, it's just really crazy. And then when you get to the very end, it's like, what? Yeah. <laughs> it's just, it yeah. just, it, it was probably one of the, one of the best docu-series or documentaries that sort of tied up at the end because a lot of the times the ending is a little bit lackluster depending on what information they were able to get Mm -hmm. Uh, they don't often get to the person you know so (laughs) i was surprised by that so you know spoilers yeah i was surprised too but the guy is such a crazy psychopath that it makes sense but in the most safe way right like if you met this guy you wouldn't think this guy's crazy. Well, I don't know about safe because a lot of people did get like uh, emotional. Well, no one died is what I'm saying. Yeah. No one died. And um, there's nothing about his initial demeanor that people lost a lot of money matches too. the description of what he seemed to be on the phone through messages yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and through his actions, yeah. obviously. And so um, probably one of the best worst performances that I've <laughs> ever seen come from a uh, – I don't know, con artist, basically. In his in his interview? Yeah, yeah, he's like the best, worst acting con artist that I've yeah. ever seen in my life. It's like it's like when somebody yeah he needs a Razzie yeah. <laughs> for that performance. It's like when you have like a, a really bad non-actor act and they make sure to really enunciate every emotion. Yes. What? Oh my oh, what? You know, <laughs> it's like, like overacting like 101. Yeah. Pretty amazing. Um, yeah. So, okay. So, which is the telltale sign of sincerity? Here's the thing. Overacting. Here's the thing. I, I, f- at risk of coming off kind of insensitive, right? There is a part of me when it comes to his victims, if you will, uh-huh. that I'm like, are you kidding me? And I get that people are in different stages of their life sure. and they're vulnerable in different ways, and a lot of people are naive. And depending mm-hmm. on how you were raised and you know your your expectations and views on love and 
all of this stuff. But um, I guess being like a pessimistic city girl, I'm like, no, nah, that shit would have never happened yeah. to me. Like, there's yeah, there's just a, no it's, way it's in a, hell. It's, a, it's, it's tricky because you certainly don't want to victim shame. But at the same time, you're like, wait a second. Like, how did that sound right to you? Yeah. You meet this guy. He says all the right things. And then you're joining bank accounts. Yeah, all this weird what? stuff he would do with bank accounts and money and and everything was just like crazy. And the, and then the you know when they get to talk to him, it's like this weird thing of how he truly, probably, truly believes that he didn't do anything wrong. Yeah, he he just you just know? the justification and his that to me is the most fascinating part because it's like I don't know, like does he really think that? You know, you'll we never really. I don't know, think he does, honestly. It almost seems like he genuinely thinks that he did nothing wrong. You know? I think that's how he wants to come off. But I think that he does obviously know that he did something wrong because he wouldn't disappear well, the way right. he does. He knows it, but to the extent of it. I mean, you know what I mean? He obviously know you know, he wouldn't be hiding and changing names and well he's all this he's sort an egomaniac. Where he's just like, Yeah, I've been married once. What about this? Oh yeah, that, yeah. <laughs> and it's like seventeen names you've been later. Married like twenty times, buddy. Like, come on. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, you know, he's he's an egomaniac and um I, I mean, I, I would say he's a sociopath because he didn't really seem to have any kind of feeling or remorse or anything um, when it came to what he did. So, yeah, I think that it can be perceived that he genuinely feels that what he does is without harm. But I think. Well, he definitely doesn't think he's harming it's anybody. More, it's more that a sociopath doesn't they don't um, value anyone else over themselves. Right. So right. even if. Even if it's wrong, it doesn't matter because it's not happening to him, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, look, in, interesting, interesting uh, loophole, which if you can even call it that, honestly, is that all the things that he did, which you would think, my God, like, how is this guy? How is this not illegal? Well, obviously, marrying more than one person is illegal. Yeah. Okay. But um, if you're married to somebody, you can take all of their money. Yeah. Because it's. Both of your money. The yeah. second you combine Which a bank is, account yeah. and you combine your finances, you are giving full control to one another to those funds. Yeah. So he can legally drain out your entire life savings and walk off with it. And that is he has not broken any yeah. laws because you gave him access yeah. to that money as your partner. Right. Which reminds me, I want to talk to you about our finances. <laughs> No, but like, you know, he like in one instance, he had a business with somebody and then he just took the money and, and left. And that was that, you know, and, and then this, and this person was like genuinely just wanted to be an entrepreneur. Well, no, newer. she was. No, she was a creep, too. So the one with the restaurant. Yeah. Yeah. She was one. She was a creep, too. She's the one who left her. She stole her husband's money. Oh, that's right. I was thinking of the. Okay. I didn't feel sorry for her at all. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, yeah, that yeah. was that was a perfect example of karma, karma. if you ask yeah. me. But yeah, that was even, the only victim that I was like. Ah. So but the but the point is, is like it really that was the only thing that was frustrating to me was that when they actually had an opportunity to talk to him, they mainly talked to him about his wives and his shady behavior with them but never talked about the money and that drove me nuts yeah, yeah, i wanted yeah. to hear his justification for like oh you you really cared about these just wants to be loved and he played the victim card really hard in the interview but it's like i wanted them to really like hammer him on the the money stuff and see where where his justification was for that i've been interested he, to see he did sort of pull at that thread in that he claimed that he was footing the bill for a lot of these relationships initially, he claimed that he was footing the bill 
And Whoa. so he justified taking the money because it was his anyway, because he had bought so many things. But yeah, but you don't take the money and then just vanish. Well, I mean, obviously it's that like, this is that's where what I wanted to, you know, it's you like, know. You, you, you have this intriguing character that you're following and all of these shady things. And then you actually get the opportunity to talk to him and I don't, I don't know. I feel like I don't like, know what made the cutting room floor, so to speak. I also, guess, like who but, knows what they. I mean, that, I'm I'm assuming that interview was way longer, and they and they obviously had to cut that down. But my bigger issue, as annoying as that was, I admit, my bigger issue was with the justice system and the fact that the way that they caught him was that these women had to basically band together. So they were they they started a blog, a really badly yeah. made blog, by the way. You yeah. Guys need to find like a webmaster or something. <laughs> It's terrible. <laughs> so um, they started this blog about him, his pictures there, warning everything about him. Mm -hmm. And there was one. OK, actually, there's two people. So the woman that he opened the restaurant with didn't yeah. feel sorry for her one bit. And the woman at the end with the father who completely yeah, yeah, defended yeah. him and hid him and everything and got screwed at the end. Haha, -ha, didn't feel sorry yeah. for her either. Anyway, so they have this blog. They're warning all these women. And so basically women are calling each other to be like, hey, I know you're dating this guy. Um, just so you know, I'm married to him. And and so are like five other women. And he took all our money. And they're trying to kind of, yeah. you know, they're following just behind him. And the really insane thing is that he's doing all of this on a dating site. And you can't change. I mean, you can change your face, I guess, with enough surgery. But you can't change your face. So it's ballsy. And then also stupid on his part. Because yeah. it's like all they have to do is follow you on dating apps. Yeah. And boom. Like they'll know they'll know where you are. And, they, you know, what I, I didn't understand was how someone didn't set up a fake account and try to date him. Yeah. You know, like they were actually trying to follow who he was actually dating at that mm -hmm. time. And I'm like, how do you not like set because he his his uh, um, preference was all over the place. He didn't have a type. Yeah. Well, you his know, type so was like anybody that that could, could possibly have money. <laughs> yeah. That and anybody that can be taken advantage of is, you know, when you're, when you're like, you know, you think like, how does he keep finding people that will fall for it? And it's like, well, it's not really a matter of him finding people, it's him just doing it to everybody. And then eventually somebody will, you know, we'll see who fall bites. victim to yeah. it. Yeah. We'll see. He'll, he'll see who bites. But, um, so they, they hire this female bounty hunter mm -hmm. who's like no frills. Like she just doesn't like, she's, you know, I mean, bounty hunters kind of have that that, um, yeah, you kind of have to. It's very gruff kind of persona. And um, so she takes it on pro bono. Uh -huh. And she's she and the women are all kind of working together as sleuths to try to find him and follow him. And he starts going into other states and then hiding and then changing his name mm -hmm. ever so slightly and this and this and that. And uh, they so long story short, they they eventually do find him. And he one of the women that was claiming to be his friend and was protecting him um he winds up scamming her father and sinking her father's houseboat to try yeah. to sell it for cheaper because he was like a family friend. And yeah. this whole it's just it was the it was like a soap opera come to life. I had never seen so many obvious twists and turns that yeah. like people just were not paying attention to in his life and, and falling for. Um, and then he's finally caught because there are warrants out for his arrest and if ever there was a slap on the wrist oh god yeah it was his sentencing i mean i'm thinking just for being married to so many women cuz you can't do anything about the money there's nothing you can right. do about the money they can't prove that he sank the boat but we all know he did it yeah um but just for the 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 legality 
aspect of it on being married to so many women in so many different states, I would assume would get you put in jail for right. a lot longer than he right. got. What did he get? Like a couple months or something, nine months or something yeah, ridiculous something, like that? I was like, crazy. seriously? But then I wonder like, you know, with the legal system, because it's like, all right, well, you can't be obviously married to more than one person at a time. But then, so the, technically the first person you married would be the person you're married to. Right. So then if you were to marry somebody else after that and then assume the rights and privileges of that that marriage allows you like access to money. So wouldn't it be null and void? Right. Right. And then you, then at that point, it would just be theft. Right. So that's um, what I didn't understand. Like I, I wanted to I wanted I wanted the details, man. The deets. Because how does that how does that happen? And like, I mean, we all know our justice, justice system has some huge flaws in it. Um but uh, first of all, there was a scene. I'm sorry to cut you off, but oh my God, before I forget it, there was a scene where they caught him. The snail's pace at which the police department yeah. proceeded to attempt to find the location. I mean, it was the most frustrating scene yeah. ever. Yeah. <laughs> like, I wanted to punch the, the television. police were basically just like, yeah, we'll get there when we get there. Yeah. And she's like, he's getting away. Like, he's leaving right now. Like, you have to get him. And they're like, what was the location again? <laughs> I was like, oh my God, we just went through this four times. Yeah. It was like no surprise to me with that response why it took them having to deal with an outside bounty hunter. Because the problem with a bounty hunter is that you can't go out of your jurisdiction. Yeah. So as a bounty hunter, if I cross the line over into Connecticut, I can't arrest that person. Yeah. Or I can't, you know, I can't call the I can't do anything because you're only able to work within your county or state. Yeah, I don't know how that works, um, but I know you can't get out of the state. And so even though they found him, the bounty hunter's like, there's nothing I could do here. Yeah. There's nothing that I can do here. Um, and that was really frustrating. Sorry. I just had yeah. to, I just remembered that scene was just like, I was. The private eyes were, you know, got a lot of, a lot of dirt on him too. Like being yeah. able to follow him around. Cause they had a little more, um, I don't know if leniency or whatever. They had more uh, wider scope. Well, they had access of, to that state. Of, yeah. I think that was the issue. So, I mean, and he was all over the place. He'd be in one state and then go to another state. And... But then also kind of hiding under plain sight, hiding in plain sight too. Yeah. Like but there were still times... being on dating apps. Yeah. But he would never like get his picture taken. You know, like he was, you know, when the when the, when he was doing the restaurant thing and they yeah. were taking pictures for the opening, he always was like avoiding cameras and stuff like yeah. that. So he's a shysty feller. And then. So then something interesting happens and it had this very, uh, I love you, Philip Morris kind of ending when you finally did get to him and they're interviewing him. And I was like, I'm not 100% convinced that this man likes women. Mm. I was pretty sure that his sexual preference was not women. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why it was so easy for him to do this because it was just a job. Yeah. And so you would put on this act and, you know, it's like there's, it's, it's difficult to tell with people from the South because the Southern drawl can sometimes be a bit effeminate. And so it's like, you think that somebody might be homosexual mm -hmm. and they're not, mm -hmm. but I was pretty sure that he was. And judging by his upbringing, because his mother was psychotic, yeah. so he already had that going against him. Like the genes, was they were yeah. not working in his favor. And then I, I probably imagine that growing up in the time that he did in a, you know, in a, a, a southern state, if he was gay, that probably was not going to fly. And so he'd spent, not to make excuses, but I'm just saying like he probably spent, well, at this point, his entire life sort of playing a part. Yeah. And so these women were just irrelevant. 
And yeah. he and and even his high school friend had said that he had this sort of weird way of like playing women. It was yeah, like a yeah. game for him. Um, and so they that's like they didn't talk about the intimacies of their relationships. Yeah. But I kind of wondered about that. I wondered like if there were if they all got into that detail. I mean, a lot of people don't want to say that on camera. Obviously, it's mm -hmm. personal. But I was very curious about that because I I did not get the feeling that he was straight. And that kind of made a lot of sense in sort of the motives and the way that he would work because it wasn't, he didn't have to worry about falling in love with these women because he right. wouldn't, right. you know? And so that would actually work in his favor. Mm -hmm. um, it just, the whole thing is fascinating. The whole thing is fascinating. And the fact is he's out of jail and yeah. it started right back at it. Like yep. the film ends with him right back where we started. Yeah. Yet another victim who I think this time was much older. I think he had to like, yeah, yeah. he's like starting to move into different. Uh, and the thing is, is, he's not like making off with millions of dollars either. He's like, no, you know, 10,000 here, 20,000 here, which is a lot of money. But if you're, if you, but if that's, I think that's why it works. Right. Right. But if, and if that's your only income, like, you know, you figure in today's society to live, you need. Well, no, because you know, he moves in with them. Yeah. Right. He moves in with them and then he has the money from his last con job yeah right so it appears because he he kept telling them that the money that he had was from um a, a malpractice, malpractice lawsuit yeah. which wasn't a lie i thought that was initially a lie but then when you're when they do the interview you can see yeah like yeah. one of his eyes doesn't quite move right and one side of his mouth and i was like okay so that's that nerve damage that he was talking about so mm -hmm. he did have that but he absolutely didn't get the millions of dollars yeah dollars that he claimed to get in the lawsuit for that first of all anybody who knows about medical lawsuits knows that it is really, really hard yeah. for one person to get that much money. Are you blind out of the eye? No, you could still use your face and talk. You ain't getting millions of dollars. Yeah. <laughs> Be lucky if you get like 50 grand. So that alone should have kind of tipped these women off that mm -hmm. he was that he got millions of dollars for that. And we also don't know that there was a lawsuit, right? Because yeah. that could have been an accident. The nerves were damaged and that was the end of it. He was claiming that it was malpractice, but there was no evidence or proof yeah. of that. Yep. He could have just been an accident and the, you know, that's what happened. Anyway, it was thoroughly entertaining, frustrating, entertaining. And then it was, it was like such a, a days of our life kind of feel to it. Cause you're just like gasping at how ridiculous this story is. And you think, God, people can't, do people really fall for this? Mm -hmm. Yes, they do. Yes, yes, yeah. they do. <laughs> many, many, many yeah. people fall for this. And uh, yeah, so I really, I really liked it. It obviously looked interesting to me because I wanted to see it, but I didn't think it would be as good as it was. Yeah, well, now this that's like the ultimate kind of blog against him now is having a, a fucking show on Netflix about you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and that's going to make it harder for you to, uh, especially yep. no when Netflix you have. No Netflix and chill with that guy. Yeah, especially when you have, um, you have a deformity. Yeah. Because that's, you can't hide, you know, when you, when you're like, this guy looks familiar yeah. and he's talking out of one side of his face. Yeah. That's definitely the guy Yeah, because that nerve damages, that's it. There's no coming back from that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, it, it, I was, I hated the guy because he was terrible, but I have to admit, I was really fascinated by him at the same time. Like I yeah. just wanted to, I wanted that interview to be longer, mm -hmm. um, partially because it was kind of hysterical the way he overacted everything. Oh, God, and I was yeah. like, oh my God, if there was ever a, like a, a class on what not to do as an actor, this guy would have hit every point. So I was kind of interested in seeing more about him. I think that we might see more about him. There might be a love fraud part two when yeah. he uh, gathers up his next 20 victims. 
Yeah, because they don't just stop something like that. Well, That's he like didn't. A, the, yeah. the end of the film, he was right back at it with another woman. So yep. there you go. So um, another show that we watched that I I saw the trailer for and I thought, okay, this this looks interesting. But then I wasn't really sure if I was going to like it was um, on HBO Max. And it was The Flight Attendant. Mm-hmm. So here's the thing. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. What's here's the, the thing? thing? Here's the thing. Kaylee Cuoco, like anybody in Game of Thrones, Friends, when you see these actors, you think of the show of that the, you yeah. had you had initially been introduced to them on and discovered them on. And so anytime I see Kaylee Cuoco, I'm like, oh, it's Penny. And I think we watched something else with her, like an indie film. Um, I also think of when she was on with um Ritter on eight her show. Eight steps or whatever. Eight steps. <laughs> something. Eight something. Definitely wasn't eight steps. Eight rules. <laughs> rules. There's rules. Uh, there's steps and things. Uh, yeah. Eight simple rules. Yeah. So, um, I I'm going to be the first. I, I I'm going to just admit it and say it. I didn't think that she would be a good actor. Uh huh. Okay. Uh-huh. Because Penny's character, and I realize she's playing a character, but you know, it's like she's ditzy mm-hmm. and. I don't know why I didn't think that I could get anything else from her. Mm. I like I'm her director. What can I get from you? But just as an audience, I thought I thought it was a strange pick when I saw the trailer. I was like, they're giving like an entire series just to Kaylee Cuoco, like because I'm thinking Penny, and I'm like, mm-hmm. how much Penny can you take? Yeah. Um, I stand corrected. Yeah. Well, she she it's... did quite well, and and I mm. I was surprised. Yeah, she uh, not in an insulting way, just that in that, uh, yeah. you know, it was just that kind of preset, like, that's Penny and that's all I'm going to get from this actor. Yeah. Yeah. Because she didn't do a lot outside of, you know, she did no. like a, a she don't film. need to. <laughs> yeah, well, well, it depends. I mean, a lot of people are well set, but they just love the work. So they. Yeah, no, but I'm saying working, she, but, she technically doesn't uh, have yeah. to do anything else. No, but uh, I think the only reason that she was in the show is because she basically produced it, you know, mm-hmm. well, not basically she did produce it. Mm-hmm. It was like her, her thing. She's well, apparently like, f- first off, let's just say the director, um, there were several directors, uh, Susanna Fogel, um, Marcos Siega, Batan Silva, John Strickland, Tom Vaughn and Glenn Winter. Uh, the last like four or five, that they all kind of just did several episodes. Um, and then you had several writers as well that worked on all um, on almost all the episodes. Kara uh, Corthran, Steve Yoki, Ryan Jennifer Jones, uh, a couple of the people that did one or two episodes here and there. Um, it was so obviously starring Kaylee Cuoco. Uh, is it Mikael Husman? Mm, I don't know. I don't know if it's supposed to be like Michael pronounced that way here. Or, um, is it Sozia Mamet? Is that how you say her name? Oh, oh yeah. I don't, I don't know. Soja. We just Soja? call her Z. <laughs> um, T.R. Knight, Michelle Gomez, Colin Woodell, 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 yep. Woodell, uh, Merle Dandridge, uh, Griffin Matthews, who was really funny. Uh, so there was uh, Rosie Perez also. Yeah. Um, Billy. <laughs> Billy. So, yeah, so a, a, an interesting cast. Mm-hmm. And um, I really, yeah, okay, so go. I just wanted to get the directors and everything and the yeah. writers and not... No, I was very intrigued by it because of more of the circumstance of of how it was created than the actual um, like plot or anything. Because did you not like the plot? No, I the plot. I would have watched it anyway, but it Mm -hmm. it it was more intriguing to me because anytime somebody takes um, 
an interest in something like this and it's just more than a hired like she obviously had a connection to this material and you mm-hmm. know it's based on a book i think and and so she probably read the book and was like yeah i want to make this or whatever um but the fact that she was so involved in it so anytime somebody's so involved in something like that and it always piques my interest more because i feel like it's going to be a better you know show or movie or or whatever it is mm-hmm. because there's this personal interest in it versus it just being like it's oh it's more at stake yeah um and i think for her it really paid off because it was a great show she got to um show off her acting chops as it were you know um because you know i don't think if if hbo was just casting this show they would have never picked her you know and not because she's bad or anything but that's mm. just not the you know she probably was in a place where like you know you're pen you've been penny for 10 years it's like how you kind of have that sitcom kind well, of the, like whatever the... on you and and it's like tough to break out of that or you know they'll just you know she probably got offered like a million comedies you know and I think she's, she's like yeah she's probably been offered a lot of the same parts yeah and this was an opportunity to do something different and that's the that that's the um the the, the lightness and the darkness in being cast in a successful series is that it's very hard to break out of that, mm-hmm. as we've seen a lot with Game of Thrones. Anytime I see these actors, I think of Game of Thrones. When mm-hmm. I see Mando, I'm like, Game of Thrones. You know, like yeah. that's even even if they were only in one or two episodes, if that's where you initially saw that actor, you always think of that actor in that show because it's so popular. And let's face it, we don't watch a show for a year or two. You're watching it for like upward. I mean, Jesus Christ, Walking Dead is still on. <laughs> I mean, over a decade you'll watch a show. And so it's incredibly hard. We're guilty of it also incredibly hard to sort of switch gears and then see that person in a different role Mm -hmm. as a different character. Right. But, and, and, and not like so drastically different, you know, because a lot of times actors will, you know, if they're in one role for a long time, they'll take something completely different where they change physically, Mm -hmm. their hair, their weight, or, you know, they're, behind makeup a lot of makeup or something and so <laughs> you, you were just saying they're behind i'm like wow <laughs> how, do you, how do you just change a lot of squats i guess yeah or not um, <laughs> and uh yeah so i i was like because like, like to your point she certainly didn't have to do this show she could easily just be like yeah i'm good yeah whatever yeah um so but but all that said you know i thought the show uh, in and of itself was was good i thought it had like this really creative way of being inside her head and what she's thinking about and um you know the uh the kind of twist and turns of the of the actual uh um i don't know crime or whatever was was interesting um performances were all great like you said i think she did a a really good job i thought that 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 inner monologue thing was going to annoy me when it first popped up i was like i don't know how i feel about this yeah because it's throughout the entire show and I got used to it but mm-hmm. at first I was like oh, yeah I don't know about that but it somehow worked yeah um like I don't know how how much she was involved in the writing and and editing and all that sort I don't of stuff think I, she, I don't know I think she just has the producer and actor credit I don't think she did anything yeah but that does, you know but who knows how involved she was yeah I with, don't know um crafting it as it were and so but either way, I mean, it it was it seemed to me like it was really well written and directed and, mm-hmm. and all that stuff. And so, yeah, I know they greenlit a season two, so I'm interested to, interested to kind of see where they go with it because it felt very much like a one one and done kind of thing. 
Well, I think they know? obviously have to do that. They did sort of like set up kind of like, yeah, a, like any good sitcom yeah. would do in their first season is like, we don't know if we're coming back. So you want to tie this up in case it doesn't mm -hmm. go anywhere. But I really, I was glad that it was greenlit because I, I like it. I yeah. really liked it. I thought it was really, really entertaining. But, but I feel like the, the first season was so specific to that event. You know, it's interesting because, you know, you take the, the you take the, a big part of the show was this inner monologue she would have and how it would play out. And like, how do you incorporate that into a season two? And I think it's going to be more know? about what happens now, yeah. like because he was connected to so many other people mm -hmm. that I think that's where it's going to come into play. Like maybe the family felt like the family kind of got cut off there. We we got this really um, sort of uh, I can't think of the word. <laughs> it's like this. This really intimidating introduction to the family, and then they just sort of ceased to be. And so yeah, I wonder yeah. if they're going to bring that up now that she's uncovered this stuff. Yeah. Will that come up? And then there's also still everything that happened with Rosie Perez's character. Like yeah. we don't know where that went. Yeah. In terms no, of no, like, I'm just talking in terms of um uh like her tone not being and, drunk through it. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, any good show can adapt, and and I think it gives it a, a you know if it's able to kind of do well in season two, that would be a great kind of, um, because this, the season is so specific that a season two would have to be just as specific in a different way. And so it's, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see how the writers and the producers handle going in a, almost in a different direction in terms of tone, mm -hmm. because you're not, unless, you know, another person gets on the plane and she's like, you know, yeah. um, it's, it'd be interesting to see how, how they, they write for that. If it's, you know, it's almost in a way like um, an anthology, but not really like because it's, you know, it's all about her at this point, you know. Not really, though. They brought other people. Well, in no, just in terms, just in terms of, just in terms the, of the sh what holds the show together. We find out the other guy worked for the FBI. Yeah. So CIA. that, was, uh, yeah, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Same thing. Yeah. Um, Wrong three-letter organization. Yeah, whatever. Same governmental control. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, that was something that. I was like, oh, oh, yeah. and so that can go. In, yeah, that was in kind of direction. like that was probably one of my my nitpicks was just like, okay, so you just happen to be charging in at the right time to the, like, did you just get there or were you like waiting outside the well, door? I think for they the were right watching time? her. Yeah, but I it's think like, that's that's what I mean. Yeah, I get what I you're saying. I would have liked obviously. to have seen her overcome that. Yeah, per, that person herself, you know, like instead of needing help or whatever. But I get it. Yeah, I mean. I think that they needed to. I get it because that, the character's that was, not that quite was the way there to introduce, yet. Like, I don't. I don't even know if it was so much hers, so much as it was that that was how they introduced that he wasn't just a regular friend that yeah. worked at the the airline with her. And it was like you know he's got a gun because he needs to have a gun because yeah. he can have a gun. And it's like oh this person isn't who you know mm. blah blah uh, spoilers. <laughs> so, yeah. Sorry, uh, you should know that by now. But yeah, I, I really liked it and and. Soja, 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 the girl's girl. Yeah. Um, super like humorous in this really dry, yeah. sarcastic kind of, uh, she almost has like one expression through the entire show, but not in a bad way. It just kind of works for her. Mm -hmm. I don't know. She's just one of, just has one of those faces that's not very like animated. Yeah. And so she has this very dry kind of yeah. expression and and humor in the way that she delivered her lines that just really worked for the character. Mm -hmm. But um, she also like in had Friends some... she was uh, Friends yeah. <laughs> in Girls she was more like dingy. Yeah, 
Um, well, this she was able to incorporate that same kind of dry humor and 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 stuff, but to kind of you know play a lawyer, you can't really be like dingy. So she, I thought, I thought she pulled off well, like of being that kind of like manic, almost like type of character, but still um, portraying like a believable lawyer. She was my you know? one of my favorite characters, yeah. I have and to say. and she had some emotional beats too that. That yes. Were nice. So. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I don't. Was, I. You know, usually good. when you say somebody has one expression and one, it, it was the character. I don't mean like as an actor that she has one expression. It's mm -hmm. just that as the character, I thought at first, is this going to work? And then it totally works. Um, and it's kind of it's kind of a really good example of the type of like if you've gone to the doctor's recently, if you've been to a doctor's office recently, and you have a young nurse or doctor's assistant that speaks in upward inflection, Yeah, it's a little scary, yeah. right? I've been there and I've been like, oh my God, this is the person that's going to be taking care of me in 20 yeah. years that's going through my chart and going, so like, what are your medications? And there's just this immense internal fear because dear God, yeah. <laughs> what's happening? And so it wasn't to that extent where she was like Kardashian obnoxious, but she definitely had a younger person's vernacular and yeah. and and way of just expression you know but still smart yeah so i thought that that was a good choice because that is very common now yeah I mean, not all women talk like that but a lot of women do and sound that way and that that's the that's the ironic thing about for me speaking an upward inflection is that there's no way to not sound stupid. You could be the smartest person in the world, but when you end every sentence in a question, it makes me question whether you know what you're talking about. Yeah. And so she had this nice kind of like flow yeah. and just enough of it, not too much of she it. Was able to combine the two. Yeah, it was it it was it was a good deal. And then also Rosie Perez, I think when you think of Rosie Perez, it's hard not to think of like White Man Can't Jump and like a lot of her stuff from the 80s and 90s where she plays like this very like gruff, rough character. Mm -hmm. And this time she was quite vulnerable, yeah, borderline naive, naive and yeah. like kind of uh, you know, you you wondered about her decision making a lot. Yeah. And I thought that was kind of interesting too, because she she has one of those voices and she has a vernacular that just you can't I mean, you can, you can step away from that. That's that worked for her in her career, but for a lot of uh, speech coaches and, and managers, they would try to break you out of that habit. Yeah. And hence why you see like a lot of actors, their families come from like a Southern state or somewhere that there's a very thick accent. They sound, they, they're they the only person that doesn't have it. Well, because they've been trained out of it because yeah. then, you, you know, you sort of pigeonhole yourself in the business to only be able to play these certain parts. And so Rosie Perez has made a career out of that voice yeah. following her and it's just worked for her. But it's weird for me when I see her because I always think of like her earlier stuff. It's hard for me to think of her as a flight attendant that got mixed up with, yeah, like, uh, like I think they were from China or yeah, was it China or Korea? I don't remember what like where the company. I think they, I think it was like a like a firm from China that like she got mixed up with, mixed up in. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, how, how, how does this happen to Rosie Perez? You yeah, know, because yeah. <laughs> like, like, she's still Rosie Perez. Yeah. Uh, but I, I did really enjoy it. I thought that everybody did a good job. I'm excited for the second season. That one kind of surprised me. I didn't think I would hate the show, but I didn't think that I would love it. And mm. so I was interested to see where it was it was going to take me. And I, I was like pretty, I was like sold 
by the end of the first episode, I was yeah, like, yeah, yeah, sure. yeah, this is good. This is good. And Kaylee Cuoco did a really good job. I would like to see her in more roles like that. Yeah, I always wanted to see her. I know she did that um, indie film, which I never watched, but um, I'd like to see her kind of like do more things because it seems like there's a lot of potential there. Um, yeah. But I would like to see I would like to see her in something that because she was still like the attractive, sexy flight attendant. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't like this huge departure from, you know, it wasn't like a huge character piece or anything. Yeah. You know, it was like she played the part well, but it was just kind of like a. But I'm thinking of it in terms of like the one episode of Big Bang Theory where she goes over to the dark side with gaming. Mm -hmm. You could see that there was more to her as an yeah. actor. And I would like to see that. I would like to see her play like a slovenly psycho or something like that, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, where, yeah, more character-driven piece. She, you know, it's it's easy to sort of typecast her as the attractive blonde girl. Mm -hmm. um, but I would like to see something like really out of left field from her. I think that would be entertaining. An attractive brunette girl. <laughs> <laughs> Crazy. We really switched gears here. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I definitely liked it recommend watch it yeah. do it it's all good and, and it's so, all out now so you can binge it yeah it's all out now and so yeah because we we actually went in one episode off and so well, we yeah. binged it and then but we had they, to wait for the last but they released episode. it in chunks they did like the first three episodes yeah and then but when like by the time we went in there were all it was only up one to, left. Yeah, yeah there was only one left and i didn't realize that and so then it was just like oh i gotta wait till thursday oh. for the last one <laughs> this sucks but yeah, it, it was uh, it was really good. And so this next film, I um, we rented because it had just come out. I really wanted to see it. It was my bar day. We couldn't go anywhere. I was mm -hmm. like, I want to like just want to see this because Christopher Robinson and I want to watch everything Christopher Robinson. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. So um, Black Bear, directed by Lawrence Michael Levine, written by Lawrence Michael Levine, uh, starring Aubrey Plaza, Christopher Abbott. I think it's Sarah Gadone. Nailed it. Sure. Um, so they're like the main, yeah. the main characters in in this film. And I, the trailer was sort of vague, which is what I absolutely appreciated about it because mm. I went in kind of knowing that there was a weird twist to the dynamic of how the story was being told, but I didn't know that this was the direction that it was going in. So I appreciated that. Yeah. Um, and so. What so, okay? So, what did you think of it? Well, because I feel like I liked it more than you did. Uh, I don't know about that, but normally, <laughs> normally, when I'm watching a film and it's about a filmmaker, uh -huh. I'm like, oh, cliche. Yeah, it's like whatever. Um, so I was like, when I read the description, I was like, we can do that, by the way, because we are filmmakers, so we yeah. can be snooty about that, right? Um, I was like, whatever, but like, I don't know. I I ended up really enjoying the film a lot and uh i think a lot of it was just i mean look there's there's it's it's very like um it's like a, a, almost a dark comedy i would say very much so a dark comedy you know and um although there was wasn't like that many comedic moments but the kind I, of tone <laughs> i found the, i found the most second of half, the film comedic the second half was more comedic but um so anyway so but i i don't know i really enjoyed it and i thought what they did with the second half was really clever um and I don't know if I, if I wasn't a filmmaker, I would appreciate it as much. But, you know. Yeah, I could see that. Because, you know, the second half, I mean, I guess we're spoiling it, right? So the second half is when they're they're making the film basically about the first half. Mm -hmm. And um, 
it was it just it it it, it was a it was a, a film that isn't completely out of the realm of possibility that of the level that we may get to someday right it wasn't okay. some huge big budget thing it was a small indie with like very very small crew and stuff and so um they still had a lot of crew members just so yeah, you know. probably there more was, than we'll there have, was a but, rack of clothing in the room so that's what makes yeah. me say we'll probably not get to that yeah, level yeah. <laughs> but the but it, it was like it was it was it was very it, it was very cool to see that because they, i think they pr- portrayed it really well but you know, I mean, Christopher Abbott's just, you know, Amazing. he's doing his thing. And, and um, but I thought Aubrey Plaza was like, I know she was uh, credited as a producer. And I wonder if this is kind of the same thing as Flight Attendant, where maybe she, because I wouldn't think to cast her in that role at all. Just mm. huge emotional moments in there. And for and the it, second part, I wouldn't. But yeah, for the right. first part, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. That was all, that was her. And her it's not, I'm not saying that I think she's, a, you know, I find her, she's fine, you know, she's, got this kind of quirky funny thing going on and it's it's whatever but um you know there's these really big emotional beats that she had to hit in the second part of the film and and i thought she just did it really really well um kind of like one of those raw performances you always hear about i thought that was kind of like the the thing that she was doing and and yeah i don't know I, i thought it was just i thought it was really really good the thing with aubrey plaza is that she has resting bitch face yeah so um and and also she did have a stroke Mm-hmm. So I don't know if this has something to do with it. I don't want to like make that a thing if that has like she's no. he, they're like, no, she healed 100 percent. That's that has nothing to do with it. It may not. Um, so I don't know if she has like resting bitch face plus the stroke did its thing. And so like yeah. but she has this very like flat expression. Um, she has the kind of face where you feel like she is fucking making fun of you every second yeah. of the day. Yeah. And you can't really, she has a delivery where it's very sarcastic and very yeah. dry and you don't believe her yeah. as far as her sincerity. It seems like she's being fake with you all the time. And that's kind of like when she was cast and was it Parks and Rec, I think that she was mm-hmm. in. You know, that's kind of the, she gets picked for those roles a yeah. lot because she has this face that yeah. just kind of works for that. And so when you think of having a multidimensional character, if you will, that sort of goes through all these different ranges of emotions and has to be vulnerable. You don't, like you said, you don't think of Aubrey Plaza because the first half where she plays this sort of sarcastic, quasi-bitchy writer um, that likes to stir the pot, that's who you you book. (laughs) But then it has to switch. You're like, huh, I I wonder how that's going to work. But there's like scenes where she had to be really obnoxiously drunk in it and, and um, naked and naked. <laughs> and uh, yeah. And, you know, she obviously it's like, she did a really good job of that. I, to me, like this, the shining, the shining beacon in this was just hitting the stereotypes of filmmakers, like to the T. Yeah. Every single one of those cast members. Yeah. I've met those people. I've been on set with those people. That ex- that's exactly what they look like. That's what they sound like. Yeah. That's how they act. It was just the most, they cast the most, I, I don't know if these people actually did this in real life. We should have looked that up to see if any of these people were actually cast members, uh, were actually crew. Mm. But the crew is what I meant to, to say, not the cast. The crew is like, that's a crew that you get on an indie set. Yeah. Those exact people. And so we were just laughing at that because it was like, Oh my God, are these yeah. actual actors or did they pull the crew members <laughs> yeah. that, and like throw them into like an acting course for a week or two because it was really, really spot on. Yeah. And then um, Chris Abbott, it's not, I mean, again, I love the guy, but he's, he's fucking amazing. Like Chris Abbott's just, I, I don't, I'm, yeah. Chris Abbott's like, 
he might be my favorite actor right now. He yeah. might be number one for me because everything I've watched him in, he gives me something completely different that I didn't think I was going to get from him. And he nails it every time. And yeah. that like the in the first half, just being that sort of guy who's in this miserable sort of relationship and is stuck because this girl's pregnant. And so he has to sort of play this part with her. But obviously they have this super um, passive aggressive relationship that seems exhausting. Mm -hmm. He did so good at playing that part. And then when he switches over to the director role, just that attitude that he has. Was yeah. like, it was just, oh when him God. playing the director was so good on, on so many levels to me because he, he really towed this line of being like an, uh, uh, an aggressive director, but at the same time, not really like trying to be an asshole, but he yeah. kind of was an asshole a little bit. Mm -hmm. And, but like, you know, like deep down, he was probably just a good person who doesn't handle stress well or something like most directors. And so like, I thought he just towed that line so well of just being that, that character, yeah. you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I really liked it. Yeah. I, I was reading a couple of reviews and articles and people that um, sort of accused it of being pretentious. And Which is, I can see I that. can see where it it towed the line, mm -hmm. but for me, it never went over the line. Yeah. That's but like Christopher same, Abbott movie thing. Yeah. Like towing yes. the line of pretentiousness <laughs> yes. and, not, yes. and not quite going over. But to be fair, if you're not a, if, if you don't know what it's like to be on an indie film set, that might very well seem like it was put on. Yeah. I assure you it's not. Yeah. Like anyone, I think that anyone in the business, if you are in, in indie film, you should watch this movie yeah. because it will be very, very familiar to you. Yeah. Just the, like the, 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 I think it was his, um, was it his, his first AD, the girl with the diary? <laughs> yeah. Like his first AD, just the range of emotion that she had to go through, um, being on set, not feeling great, trying to wrangle this actress yeah. who's like all over the place. And, um, it's it's I appreciated it because every time we talk to people in, in in film and they find out that we're married or they know that we're married or something, they're always really amazed by that. And we never really quite understood why that was such an amazing thing. You know, it was mm -hmm. like, yeah, we both like film and we make films together and we're married. And then you start to kind of see how that depending on the dynamic, it can completely destroy your relationship. And this was a really good example of that. Um, any little bit of jealousy mixed with ego, which you're going to find a lot in directors. Mm -hmm. It's just like, that was the thing. Christopher Abbott's character came off to me as someone that wasn't, didn't go in with an ego. Like some people want to become directors because they have a big ego and they want that to be fed and yeah. they, they want to be directors. He came across as somebody who wasn't that way initially, but maybe developed a bit of this pretentious ego because yeah. through success and, you know, um, People kiss your ass when you're a director. That's just the truth of it. Yeah. They'll, they'll either tear you down or, you know, like the same as they do with actors, but there's just this sort of like air of this kind of arrogance that you can find in a lot of directors, not all, but in a lot of directors, you've experienced it with people before. Like, you know, you, it's just, it's yeah. a, it's a field and it's a position that unfortunately attracts that type of person. And so, well, I think that type of person is attracted to that. But the same thing, yeah. the, the same, yeah. You know, it's the thing of like, uh, fuck, man, we can get into a whole thing about the industry, <laughs> but it's like, you know, uh, yeah, I wonder like how many directors are, are consider themselves artistic and so how many are, you know, because to me, there's always like two types of directors. So you have the 
the the filmmaker director and then you have the producer director you know you have the mm-hmm. director who's who's probably a little more artistic and and visionary-ish and then you have the other director who is like just kind of steering the ship i guess you know and, and approaches it from a more producer standpoint yeah uh, i could be oversimplifying it obviously but that's been my experience and so um I just also want to say the yeah. actor that played the first AD was Paola Lazaro. Mm-hmm. I just want to give her credit because she, I'm, I'm looking, she is an actor. Yeah, I know um, I've seen her in other stuff. And you know what? That was probably one of the best examples of character study. Having been on set as an actor, she mm-hmm. has seen enough first ADs and enough people in the crew to be able to play that part. Okay, go. It's her love letter to first ADs. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. That was it. That was my All thought right. pretty much. I, I thoroughly enjoyed this. I thought it was amazing. I really like I would watch this again. Yeah. I can't say that about a lot of films. Mm-hmm. You know, even even when they're great, I don't we yeah, all have sad those, to, I was have, sad to see the ending of it of like, oh, he did it anyway. Yeah. I mean it, it it's there's movies that you watch that are amazing, but that you probably wouldn't watch again. And then there's movies that you can watch yeah. again. Yeah. You know, and like this any is, Nolan film. <laughs> <laughs> what side is the Nolan film on? Watchable or not no? watchable again. I love all his films. But I watch Dark Knight a lot, though. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. I just I find that with a lot of more more films than not is like I watched it and I don't I don't need to watch it again, even though it's I great. Yeah. yeah, even though it's a great film, like you may not necessarily watch it again. Um, but then there's films like Revenant, like when the Revenant's on, I watch it. Mm-hmm. I, I can watch that movie over and over Edge again. Of tomorrow. Edge of Tomorrow, I'll watch over and over again. Shawshank Redemption, Silence of the Lambs, My Cousin Vinny. These are all movies that when they come on, I watch them no matter. Yeah. Goodfellas, like I'll just I'll just slap through that. Like I haven't seen it 247 times already. Um, but a lot of kind of like incredibly entertaining films just aren't necessarily watchable many times. Like mm-hmm. Tucker and Dale, I'll watch that forever. Yeah. Um, this is a this is a film that I think also because there's so there's not that many characters in it, but it's a small room with a lot of people. And so there's a lot of things going on that you probably aren't paying attention or catching. Right. Um, there's also the the actor that plays Nora, who was the sort of script advisor who just could not get her shit together. <laughs> yeah. um, that I haven't experienced on the few amounts, few amounts yeah. of sets that I've been on, but I don't know if that's like a yeah, thing. Yeah, they're usually like fucking on point. Yeah, so I don't, I, you know, but I thought it was interesting that, uh, you know, that her character was well, just kind all of like fucked up on something. Fumbling like... through. Um, yeah, I, it was, there was yeah, one particular it. set that I was on that I was like, I swear this was modeled after every single one of those people on that yeah. set is really, really, really funny. And I thought it was clever to just sort of switch the story like that. And mm-hmm. and then again at the end, because you don't know where she's going. You know, the idea is obviously that Aubrey Plaza is writing the script and then she's pulling these different sort of going from these different avenues and then creating the story and then changing it and then flipping yeah. the characters. And then in the end, she'll probably do something else. Who knows? Maybe she'll be the director. Right. We don't know. But Really enjoyed it. I, I actually really loved that movie. I, I would, I would want to, I would want to own it. Yeah. I wonder if there was. Uh, I would have loved to have seen bloopers to that. Or behind the scenes or something. Yeah, we'd really like to have seen that. Anywho, that's our show. We yeah. are set to have a guest on next week. I'm still waiting for confirmation. Um, and the week after, probably too. Possibly, yeah. So we got a couple people lined up. Some exciting, some exciting guests. And so, but you know, until I get confirmation, I don't want to say. Mm-hmm. But. Shout outs. Mograph. There you go. There you go. Right in okay. there. Right out of the way. Feel better? And uh, Steady Geek and Reality Bomb Comicast, not up for debate. Indie filmmakers, actors, writers, DPs, whatever you are, whatever you do, 
you know, reach out. Reach out. Reach out. Say hello. How are you today? How you how you do today? <laughs> and uh, you know, chat with us. Yeah. We'll see we we'll see if we we like your shiz. Yeah, buddy. Yeah. Well, it was wonderful talking to you this year. Yeah. Paul. Yeah. That's uh, 2021 is going to be the year of Don't say that. Don't say something. it's your year. You just jinxed it. I didn't say anything. I was going to say were... I was going to say it's going to be the year that's worse than 2020. That's even worse. You don't yeah. say that either. God, you're terrible. All right.